Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hey guys, thanks so much for coming back and hanging out with us this week. Um, we're still at home, riding out Corona. Um, and as we mentioned last week, our topic this week is rejection. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, Which means uh, it's just no, part of the business. Just right? part of the business, but it's also part of being human, right? So mm -hmm. let's, we're going to dig into it today. Um, but before we get to that, uh, we're going to talk about our week or what we like to call adventures in screenwriting. Um, Lorian, how was your week? Uh, so I started out the week with a big, very aggressive, very exciting list of things I was going to do. Uh, and I was excited about all the projects I was working on. And then my computer crashed on Monday in the middle of me trying to get a deliverable done, delivered out to a producer on Monday. And uh, so then that sort of blew me out, right? I had to stop what I was doing, do a bunch of backups. Then uh, on Tuesday, uh, my eyes started to bother me. Uh, because apparently oh, no. I, uh, uh, and so I had to stop wearing my contacts. So, uh, and then I had to deal with like, oh God, do I go to a eye doctor right now? Because the glasses I have that I'm wearing right now are an old prescription that are scratched. So this week was about vision, I guess. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, I, World I, conspired. Yeah, so I ended up going to the eye doctor, which was uncomfortable and scary, but, um, uh, so, you know, and then it's like, uh, do I have to buy a new computer? Because that's not what I want to be spending money on right now. No. And, but I, I have to have a good, dependable computer because I'm a writer and I have to be able to see. So, um, which, you know, and then I use both of those things as kind of an excuse not to get like a ton of work done this week. So <laughs> hey, hey, your computer. I don't have a computer. Yeah. I can't yeah. write. Like, what am I going to do? Pen and paper? Right. Got gasp. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, uh, so uh, I did not get as much done as I thought I would. Also, um, I have totally given up uh, taking care of my home. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I don't know what's happening here, uh, but it feels uh, really, everything just feels like it was bound to fall apart this week in a way. So I'm trying not to beat myself up about it. No, just get back up, just get back up on the horse, man. Yeah, and I still have my list of all the fun things I'm going to do this week, but I'm going to do them next week um, or this weekend. Perfect. So that was, perfect. My, that was my uh, super fun week. How well, I mean, it happens to everybody. We all have those weeks or days or, you know, and it's only if you don't go back to the writing that it becomes a problem. Um, life always throws curveballs, man. So um, my week was I'm working on getting my next gig because I lost that gig last week, which is why our topic is going to be rejection. Um, more on that later. Yeah. Um, so I'm working on getting my next gig, which means reading stuff or things that people are submitting and finding things that I like. But now you got to get the gig. Like it's not just a done deal. Even when you're an established writer, now you got to go and pitch what you like about it and make sure you're in line either with the director or the studio um so I'm doing that which you know is a tremendous amount of work potentially either because I decide as we get further in oh no this isn't for me or uh, I'm, I'm not the right fit for them or what I want to do is what they want to do so um there's always a tremendous churn going of that you just have to put aside the hours that you're working um in terms of your worry right about time is money kind of thing um and I we also Lauren I cannot believe you did not bring up what else happened to you this week <laughs> which I think is very uh, Freudian that you just forgot it. Lorian and I got notes together as a writing team last, this week. Last night. Last night. Hello. Um, we're actually very, I blocked you just blacked it out like, completely. You are stuck somewhere in the process. Um, we're very, very lucky and part of a writer's collective of very established writers who we read each other's work. It's now gone to Zoom. It was more fun when we could all get together and drink and eat, but um, now we do it on Zoom. And Lorraine and I put our project up last night. I was very nervous, I have to be honest, before. I literally had a stomach ache. And um, these are people that I deeply, deeply respect and admire. Um, there's writer and directors in there. Um, so directors are going to come at it from a different angle, which is such a blessing to be able to get their brain on it. And I think it went well. And I bring it up because, um, you know, you. I also got notes from a, a studio, a buyer on a project I'm working with. And in both cases, you still go through the process of you know fuck you fuck me and what's next which if you don't know what that is please go listen to the podcast on getting notes um 
Yesterday was so fun though, right? Because we always start with what you like. And so it just helps calm your brain down. So I recommend this if you're ever giving notes that you always start with a few things that you liked. Honestly, you liked, listen, you can find something, right? So everybody found something and some people just agreed with other people, but there was a lot. I was actually very um, happy um, that they, they liked so much of it. And, um, and then of course they told us all the stuff they don't like, <laughs> which is good because that's what you're asking for. Whether you, you need to know, they did not like the kiss. No. Which is something that Lori and I were very surprised about. We're like, that. we thought that was one of the best parts. And all of them across the board were like, no, we don't like it. But now that's our choice, they, right? But as soon as they brought it up, I kind of looked at it in a slightly different way. Like, oh, right. yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And so it, uh, I sort of saw it in that way. And because they'd saved that sort of big note towards the end of the session, it wasn't something they opened with. It was sort of, these are, you know very skilled note givers too so and they've been through it so they know right um you know and uh you know I, I i got notes from the studio i went through the process um i would suggest if you're giving notes not to email them at 10 o'clock at night to the writer um yeah uh, it's just i'm not in a good mental space at 10 o'clock at night i'm tired I've probably had a hard day. Anxiety is always up at night in every human being. It's called sundowner syndrome. Here it comes. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I got emotional to start. Um, and uh, But my I had a great co-writer, Jonathan Fernandez, who was like, just not engaging with me because he was like, I'm reading them tomorrow. And I was like, but we need to talk about this. And we need to talk about this. And it's 1130. And he was like, I'm reading them tomorrow. And I was like, stop being so zen. Just get engage with me. And he went back because he's smart. And he's like, this is ridiculous. Don't read them. That is our choice. So, but of course, by the morning, I was like, oh, these are good notes. And I like this one. And I like this one. And I just, I don't agree with this one. So we'll talk about it. So just don't send notes down at night. Um, and then Gosh, um, the amount of self-control it would take for me to not read notes the moment I get them. Right. I would pull over on the highway. If I'm someone I respect has notes for me, it is I can't wait five seconds before I read them. Right? I mean, we're going to read them. So yeah. <laughs> just hold the phone a little bit there. Hold the little send button push there till the morning when we're fresh. Um, I have to say that during the, all of this, the lockdown, the pandemic, I have figured out how not to read the notes until I'm in a better space. Oh. I've gotten writ written notes twice and I see the email come in and I just, nope, because I'll be, yeah. it'll be like at a place where I just can't process it because I read really fast and I'll skim and I won't really take it in and I'll just react really like, okay, I haven't figured it out. I've done it twice. That, <laughs> like who knows what it'll be going forward. But, and because I was at the time when the email came in, I was so overloaded that it was like, no, I, I cannot figure that out because it would just have been an extra thing. And then I'd be like in the shower. No, it's smart. It's really smart to wait and be in a good space. And that is part about how to handle rejection, which we can yeah. talk about in a minute too, of know yourself. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about in terms of the week, um, it's just a little um, little suggestion for you guys out there, is um, the Alliance of Women Directors is a group. I'm not even sure how I got on their email, to be honest with you, because I'm not a director, um, but uh, I got on it, and they are starting to have Zoom um, seminars online. I do not think you have to be a member. You do have to pay, but it's a charity raising. Uh, um, they're, they're raising money for people in the industry who need help because of Corona what is it, like five or 10, it's like 10 bucks. Yeah. Um, and it's really great. Like last week they had Leslie Linka Gladder on, who's a very well-known TV director. I mean, just one of the biggest and best. And I loved listening to her again, not because I want to direct television, but because as a writer, I want to write television. I need to know what the director needs. I am writing for the director. I need to know how they're breaking down scenes. What are they talking to the actors about? How are they choosing to, to do your work? I think it's super important. Um, and so I listened to her because I'm like, oh, here's one of the best. And what was amazing was, you know, the things that really spoke to me that I wanted to share with you guys were in terms of the craft, as a director, she just kept saying, the first place I go is to theme. What is this about? What is mm -hmm. this whole episode about? What is the series about? That does not, she could just be a director for hire coming in for one episode. She's still asking that question. And the next question she asks is, what does the character want? These are the same two questions that Lauren and I are talking about to you as writers. The director is doing the same thing. What does the character want in this episode, but most importantly also in the scene? Because it's how she knows how to set her camera. 
and how to direct. And she also talked about her phrase was, who is taking me through the scene? As a director, that's what she's asking, right? So she's really talking mm. about emotional point of view. She said, of course, sometimes you will be objective and she will make that choice as a director and it will, the script will inform her of when she needs to get into, go into an objective point of view. But she's also asking, which character is taking me through the scene? And as a writer, I really, really think about that. Emotionally, who am I going through the scene with, right? Where is the emphasis? And I just think that's a really good thing to think about because directors are gonna ask it, actors are gonna ask it, everything you're laying down, that question of what is this about? What does the character want? Who's the emotional point of view? Every crew member is gonna be asking those questions. And mm. then in terms of process, um, it was really great because she was like, okay, this woman has been directing for, I don't know, what, 20 years. She's done every show. She's executive group shows. I mean, you can't get bigger and better than Leslie Linkagladder. And she said every new project still, her first step is panic. And I was like, woohoo. So such a relief, right? That that's just part of the process, man. And that her response to panic is prepare and then stay open to opportunity. So she is super prepared. She knows every shot. She storyboards a lot. She knows what's going to happen. And then she goes in and is ready for the challenges of the day. Like, guess what? You can't get that crane or whatever happens to her or the opportunity that's arising because somebody has a great idea. Like she's open to possibility even as she prepares. And I think that is the same in writing. You have to prepare, you have to do your work. You have to outline, You like let's just use an outline. You have an idea, you, you churn it up, you maybe do a puke draft, but now you outline and now you've got this beautiful outline. You've gotten notes on it, you've rewritten it and you go to draft and suddenly new possibilities open up mm -hmm. in the story. It just starts coming up, new opportunities and you have to, you can adjust, adjust to it, right? So I just think it's amazing and wonderful that the process continues now from the writer now to the director. We're all kind of doing the same thing. So I highly recommend, um, it's the Alliance of Women Directors. I, Mark Guggenheim is up this week. He's um, gonna talk about directing, but also being a showrunner, which I think will be super interesting. Again, if you're gonna wanna be right for television, listen to what showrunners are thinking, listen to what they need, cause you're gonna be on their staff someday and you need to understand what they need. And also, you're going to be a showrunner someday. So, right? Come on, let's be positive. That's what's going to happen. Um, we we'll tell ourselves every day. <laughs> what's going to happen, man? Come on. Come on. Um, okay, so next section. Yes, Lauren? Yes. yes. Next like, section. Um, before we, wait, before we get into that, oh, yeah. do we want to have uh, Jeff talk about... Well, it's your guys' favorite part of the week where I um, shower praise on you two. <laughs> We got well, some we, more amazing. Go ahead, Maggie. What you we say? We love reading uh, the reviews, and we love reading your questions. And the reviews really help us um, because you know we care deeply about this. This is us creating community. This is us giving back to you. Um, but we're doing it for free. This is literally just us giving our time to you. And the only way we can keep doing it is if um, we get some great reviews on Apple Podcasts. So mm -hmm. if you can find the time to go over there and give us a review, it really help us. And now this here's the part that Lauren and I hate. I'll just read a couple quick ones. They're so well written from our wonderful writing. I know you crew. guys write well, so let's let's listen to the great writing. All right, we have Jazzcat forty five saying there are a plethora of people offering screenwriting podcasts, but none can compare with these concise, engaging, and informative women. It's an absolute gift to be a recipient of their knowledge and expertise, transmitted with such good humor and effortless aplomb. I highly recommend Megan Laurie and Stellar Endeavor to all writers, producers, directors, and actors, and really to any film goer. The insights gained are well worth the time invested to listen. Then one more quickie. Um, this comes from an indie producer. <laughs> this is the uh, beauty of pandemic, guys. And the, candidly, I was just talking to my wife two minutes ago. So uh, that's, it's a peek behind the curtain. Um, indie producer, book editor um, says, this may be the most accessible, informative, and nuanced approach I've seen or heard in any context to helping serious, professional, or aspiring screenwriters deal with the practical, technical, and aesthetic issues of uh, around doing what it takes to actually deliver a real work product. It's also refreshingly unpretentious and grounded in all the real life stresses that all of us face. So that's really what's great about these reviews is they're like bullseye targeting what we want the show to be. So this feedback yeah. is so great because that means we're accomplishing what we were hoping. 
Yeah, it really helps to hear that you guys, what you're liking, what's helping um, so that we can keep doing it. Um, and again, send in your questions because we also want to know um, what they are and what you're wanting more of, um, uh, what, you know, where you need more information. Um, if we've said something and you want to talk about it more or you don't understand, please let us know because we're here for you. Um, so. All right, rejection. <laughs> <laughs> I will say. I was so excited to talk about this. Last week's episode, we're like, yeah, let's talk about rejection. And today I've had this knot in the pit of my stomach. I feel really <laughs> nervous about talking about this because I think it gets to like a really intense, personal, vulnerable place for me um, because rejection isn't just, there's a piece about this industry where it's just baked into it, mm -hmm. right? That I don't, I didn't, I don't write a script and then suddenly someone's like, well, hey, I saw you wrote that script. Come write this script for me. It's, well, have a meeting. We'll see if you might be right. Wait to see if you get the next step, which is do a pitch, you know, on your take on it, which is usually for free. Well, it's always for free, right? Go do a take on it, like you were talking about, Meg. Mm -hmm. And then, then there's rejection in that. There's rejection in the notes, right? And then if you do get the job, there's still that I might get fired piece of it as you go along. So, and then you do a great job and everybody loves you and you win all the awards and make all the money. Then the next job, you still have to go chase in the same way. So you're constantly auditioning and dealing with that. Um, I, it's really hard. It's really emotional. And I'll often uh, get to a place where uh, I just reject myself. I create a story, a narrative in my head. Here's why I deliver something that I feel really good about. And I even write an email. I feel really good about the direction this is taking. I'm so excited to hear your feedback. I hit send and then I fall apart, right? And then it's, um, oh God, they're gonna hate it. They're gonna hate me. And then if they haven't responded in a day or two, it's, the, oh, they're coming up with all the reasons why they hate it. And I just create this really intense narrative because I'm a writer. And so, um, and it's, and generally speaking for me, it's a negative narrative. It's never, they're going to love this. And yeah. like, I, I don't know any human who does that actually. <laughs> right. And so I think, um, sometimes it's easier to process. And sometimes, honestly, I go straight to the bottom. I have to quit. This is the worst. I'm the worst, right? Like dealing with all that negative self-talk is really hard and admitting all this. It's really hard. I mean, I've, I've touched on it before, but it really is scary when I get to that place of rejection and I have created this narrative or I do get a legitimate rejection, which is no thanks, pass, right? It's, it's personal, it's professional, but it's deeply personal because as a writer, it's not just the product, it's me. It's me in the room, me as part of the notes process and the creative process. So it's not just a rejection of we didn't like this thing you made. It's, it feels like a whole. It um, feels like that. It, it feels like, yes. It doesn't mean that it is. Right. I mean, that is how your brain is taking it, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, because of how you're wired or because you're human. Yeah. Uh, it's seeing it as survival. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, we all do that. Totally. I do that. You know, that I just did that when certain writers that I love didn't sign up to be on our collective. And I was like, oh my God, it's because she hates my writing or whatever. And then she emailed and she was like, I'm busy. And, it's like, and okay. I said, I said, hey, let's talk about this on the show about rejection. And uh, I mean, we yeah. do it. We do it. I mean, it's interesting. Why do we think we do that? I think we do it out of some survival instinct, you know, and after you've been rejected, you can start to overthink and turn it over and turn it over and turn it over. And some part of you thinks, well, I'm looking for a way to not make that happen again, right? Or what's the mistake I made? Or, you know, when this project went away last week, I have found myself in a mourning process, which is normal, right? Um, but also slightly turning it over. What could I have done differently? Is it my fault? Did I do something? And at some point, that's just your brain trying to make you feel safe and that's not going to lead to anything. Maybe something if you can find something, but generally it's just a way to beat yourself up. Um, you know, the first thing I always try to get my brain to do is act, just ask myself, is this really happening? Right? Like, I mean, <laughs> Sorry, it's really, I love that. It's so simple and it's so real and true. Like, is this, is real. this true? Yeah. Right. Look, like if your brain is saying, well, they haven't responded because they hate it. You do have to go like, is that true? Are you, 
you, you can be certain of that. Well, no, you aren't. You're just, then you're like, okay, I'm in narrative, right? So, and even if it is a real rejection, like let's say you give your script to a manager and they say, no, thank you. Uh, I have a lot of writers like you, or I don't think you're ready or whatever. Um, okay, is th that's rejection. And I understand that that is true, but really what's happening? What's happening is he, listen to what they're saying they don't have space for the kind of writer you are or your, your craft level needs to come up. Like it's information. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like within the rejection is crucial, crucial information that you need. That might be for you as a writer in your development. That might be for this project itself. It's not ready yet, right? Um, so be, try to find the information within the rejection. Um, now, sometimes there isn't any, like I find the hardest thing is that like Lori and I had a project at, was it CBS? Uh, we had a network um, and uh, we, they decided not to take it to series and that felt really hard. Um, but, and you never know why really. Um, you never know if it's because they had one similar and they had to pick one and this one had an attachment to it. So of course that one got to go because it had a star. You don't know if it went up the line and the head of the studio was like, I don't want to do this topic. Right. Or like, it could be literally a thousand things within a business that your widget did not fit with that widget versus we just don't like it, right? right? It's the percentage of chances it didn't fit in the widget as a widget versus they just didn't like it but you never kind of know which I find hard because I like learning I'm a teacher I love learning I love improving and to me that's the hardest rejection is when I can't learn from it because you're not giving me any feedback and that is part of Hollywood sometimes you just don't get the feedback so you just have to keep moving on um the other thing I would say about rejection is um the most dangerous thing about it is if you're rejecting yourself. If you take the rejection and use it as a way to reject yourself, now it's going to be, it could be damaging, right? Because if you start doing that, really then who's, to, you know, you're going to stop, you could stop writing, right? You could start self-sabotaging. Um, get Like you can literally become a rejection addict. Like you start self-sabotaging because it oddly feels safer than succeeding or whatever reason you're doing it, right? Um, so that's, go ahead. This is that line that I can skate sometimes, right. Right? where I hit that point where it's, I, uh, I feel like then I'm rejecting myself. It's useless. This is a disaster. Why did I decide to do this? What else can I do? Um, and then for me, and I know you have something to say further on this for me, no, that's no, yeah. about reaching out to my lifeline people. I call you, I call some of my other friends and I just vomit it all out, all the truth. This is what I'm afraid of. And then, uh, so that I are in articulating it. Sometimes I can hear how absurd it is. Right. Um, or when I say it and then someone says back to me what I've said, and it sounds terrible or crazy, um, or just, you know, not in touch with what's really happening. Um, right. but for me, that's, that's how I pull myself out of it as I reach out. I think if I got to the point where I just stopped reaching out to people, then that would be like the ultimate, I would be the yeah. ultimate rejection of myself as a writer. As a it's a really good tool to reach out to other people because they can mirror back to you reality and yourself and how much of this you're whipping up and how much is, well, that's information that's good to have, right? Or guess what? That is not a good person to work with. You, I'm glad you got rejected. Congratulations. That There's sounds really yeah. bad. That was not a good situation. That was just gonna keep going on. You dodged a bullet. It's not always negative. <laughs> Rejection can be a gift. Yeah, there's that piece too, where uh, you serve, you can lose focus about who's, who's actually, the healthiest place to be or not. Like who's a healthy person for you to be working with? And, you know, I will say when you're an emerging writer, you sometimes get engaged with people who don't have the best motives and who will take yes. advantage of you. Yes. And when that kind when it falls apart and you get rejected in that way, it feels like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? When sometimes really it is the other guy. Yes, it can very much be the other guy. There are, you know, especially for young writers. And then, but don't let that stop you because that doesn't mean everybody out there sucks. No, that's not true either. Like as soon as you get into everything and everybody and those kind of big, that you now you're in black and white thinking, right? Yes, there are people out there who might take advantage of you, 
who are, you know, psychopathic narcissists or whatever, uh, they're in every business, um, and you got entangled with one, okay, that was a problem. What did you learn from it? How are you not going to get entangled with that per that type of person again and move on? Because listen, rejection wins if you stop, if you stop writing and you stop trying versus learn its lesson and move on to the next. And at some point you have to, listen, I don't like rejection. I'm not going to tell you, you have to learn to like rejection because... I don't know that that's possible, right? but you just have to be like, get a little bit of a thicker skin. And sometimes the only way you're going to get a thicker skin is you go through it enough times and you realize you don't die. Don't die. That your brain thinks rejection means death when in fact it doesn't. It literally means that didn't work out. It might be a long game here. You might in the long run have the universe wanted to reject that because something better was coming that you needed to be doing. Like you don't know the long game potentially. So learn from it and don't stop. Like you just have to try again. And you might fall on your face a lot. <laughs> I have, listen, I've had, you know, you got to get a little bit of a thicker skin because eventually it's going to be like public rejection. Like that's now taking and like, let's move the dial up, right? Let's level up to public rejection. Um, uh, you just have to keep, think about it this way. You know, it's interesting. I just want, want to bring this up too, is um, um, whenever you're like last night getting in the collective, when you have a group of people giving notes all at the same time, um, with the collective is a little different because they're just friends, but it, you could have a group of executives, producers, executives, right? Um, you could be in a brain trust. It's very easy to have your center move out into the other person. And who you are and all your value and what is good and what is bad is just moved into the person who's talking to you, right? And I could literally feel that sometimes happening in a meeting. Like I will literally be like, oh, oh, I can't feel my feet. Like I am not in my body. The center of myself and my value and who I am has moved out into the person who is giving me notes or rejecting me or whatever's happening and I understand that maybe in the moment you can't pull it back in, but just to be aware of it will help you because the goal is to get your center back into yourself. Feel your feet, breathe. That's why breath is so important in meditation. Breathe, it, be in your body, center back in yourself. Ask yourself what you care about. What are your values? What do you love about your project? What do you want? All of those things are about you and your being in the world, right? And if you gotta go there first, right? You have to go back to yourself. Why did you write this? What was it? What, what do you love about it? Maybe this thing isn't going to be the thing that got you a manager, but it got you some introductions and they want to see more. It served its purpose potentially. What next? So you, it's your life. It's your game you're playing. It's your path. These things will come in and they might shift the path, but the person steering the ship is you, not them. And if you let them steer it, I have to tell you, you could be lost because number one, there, there could be lunatics out there like, you know, uh, narcissists who really want to steer your boat for you, right? Or there are a company who want to steer your boat for you because they want to use your life energy, or they could be many, many different reasons that somebody else wants to steer your boat. It's your boat. You steer it. And if you get lost and you've start, let some other people come because of rejection, start telling you who you are and what you want and what you need and what you value. Wait, just take some time, come back to yourself. What do you want? Why are you doing this, right? Get in your body, if that means exercise. I, you know, I eat cookies to avoid that, but don't do that. Um, you, it's just your process. Hey everyone, so the new version of Final Draft, Final Draft 13, is out. And, you know, the question's going around, is it worth it? Is it worth it to buy or upgrade? And our answer is yes. So I recently got notes on a pilot, and I want to see how it works in my rewrite to move a couple of scenes. And usually what I do is, you know, cut and paste, uh, which works out sometimes, but mostly it means I lose text because I move so quickly. But the new version of Final Draft has this cool feature called Navigator 2.0, where you can actually just move scenes around right in your script. So without losing something, I can see what's working, what I'm missing, or what needs to be rewritten, or, you know, if I have to lose the scene altogether. But it's really, really helpful. And 
What's most important to me about this is that I'm not losing anything. Woohoo! Yes. I am laying out a new project and I want to card it and I can now do that inside of Final Draft and it's now a super easy way. You can take those cards and then make them into an outline with a simple drag and drop. So it's just a great way to see the larger story that you're writing and get down the details, track characters. I just love it. And for our emerging writers, a great new feature is Final Draft lets you set writing goals like page count or timed writing sprints, which is super cool. So uh, we think the new version is really worth uh, investing in. So you can head over to finaldraft.com slash products to get the new version with a discount code of ScreenFD for 25% off. You should check it out. That's ScreenFD. S-C-R-E-E-N-F-D. I think that what you said was really important is not letting other people tell you who you are, not letting other people define you. It's so um, attractive when you hear someone tell you who you are, right? You're a great comedy writer. Oh, you do this so well, or you fit in this place so well. It's because, oh my God, I fit. I belong somewhere. I have meaning, right? When it might not be that easy. You might be a great comedy writer and you might fit in this place, but maybe that's not who you really are as a writer and a person and a creator and sort of not falling into that trap. And, you know, just so you know, as you move up the chain, it, it starts, it can happen in the reverse where because you've written one thing or done one thing, people start giving you only that project because you do that well. Well, do you still want to keep doing that? And is this, maybe you do, but is this the one that you want to do? Because it's going to take a lot of your life energy. You are going to go through rejection. Every time you get notes, you know, they can fire you off the project, whatever. Like it's a hill. It's a, you know, put your backpack on, you're going up a hill. Is this the one you want to do that on? Is this the thing you want to give your life energy to? You know, suddenly, so the same skill you're going to use with in the beginning of trying to get in the door you're just getting skills that are you're going to use all the way up the mountain um so it, it's all very to a point i think that the reason uh humanity in the universe uh, has you go through these uh can you take rejection or how do you take rejection lorian has her dog now on screen so adorable sorry the mailman came and my dog rejected her <laughs> My dog was like, no, you cannot come in. Um, so, you know, listen, just know if you, uh, you know, rejection is going to happen. It's part of life. It's part of this business in a big way. Um, you know, I had, I was lucky enough to meet the great potter Beatrice Woods when she was 101. And I asked her and she said, listen, I was not the most talented, but I stayed. And people who were far more talented, her quit. They couldn't handle the rejection, they couldn't handle the feedback, they couldn't handle the fire that it takes uh, to, to figure out who you are and raise your craft level. So everybody's going through it, uh, you're not alone, but you can do it, you can do it. Learn the lesson from rejection is my big, you know, takeaway or thing and I wanna share with you guys. Just every time you get rejected, it means you've put yourself out there. Mm which is such an amazing, brave, powerful thing. I read an article once years ago about this woman who just started collecting the no's because she, instead of waiting for the yes, she made a chart. So I did this, I made an Excel sheet. Every time I submitted my material or made, sent an email and then getting a rejection was like, yes, I got another one. So that I felt like I had accomplished something even though I got rejected 10 times that day, at least I put myself out there 10 times. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there, there's power right. in that, right? So it's not just, you know, taking your heart and throwing it outside your body and waiting for someone to stab it. It's, you know, you're, you're putting your heart out there and that's, that's what. And you will get feedback and you should listen mm -hmm. to the feedback. You decide for yourself if you want to take it, but you know, I know novelists who, yes, they got like, they papered their wall with the nose, but then selling the nose where we want to see your next one, or the nose starts to be real, real, real letters going back and forth. And we don't like this and this and this. And then she went to the book and she was like, oh my God, they're right. And so she rewrote the book and rewrote the book and rewrote the book. It, it was, you know, just like in storytelling, the antagonist is the one bringing the consciousness to the protagonist, the antagonist is the only person who can wake up and, and transform. You are the protagonist of your story. These things coming at you can feel antagonistic, but they are actually gifts coming to say, 
what you need to know, how to wake you up, how to improve your craft, how to improve you as a writer. So um, it can, listen, of course it can suck, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. if you give yourself some time and then just get to the next step, right? Of what do I have to learn? What do I feel? What do I uh, want? What do, what's the next step and get to the next step. Where's the next thing? Is it the next script? Is it the next idea? Is it going out to the next rep? Whatever it is, get to the next step. Yeah. I, uh, I really resonated with what you just said, Lorian, about collecting the no's because like, what a privilege to get a no. You know, I mean, like someone engaged with your work. There's so many writers who are dying for anyone to read what they're reading. So every time you get a rejection, someone honestly and earnestly engaged with what you had written. So like in some ways, that's a huge privilege because your stuff is getting read. Um, our CCO, Kevin Undergaro, talks about rejection being protection, which I think is a really valuable way to look at it too. If you've written something and you feel like it's totally ready and it's yours and someone doesn't want it, you don't want to be working with that person because they don't see the same thing you do. So you're being protected in that moment because you're committing to this future with someone that needs to love this baby the same way you do. And it might be protection because your baby wasn't ready. Like the thing you had written wasn't ready. So if you were moving forward with that, and again, spending potentially years of your life with this, maybe it wasn't the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And you know, at some point, you know, you just have to become a dog with a bone. You just have to be like, okay, uh, I don't accept that, no. Not to that person, but to yourself, right? Like, okay, I, I, I'm gonna do something else. You know, like when I had that um, disappointment last week, I did give myself a couple of days. Uh, but then I was like, okay, I let's, what's the job? What's the next job, right? Like I have these things that are possibilities. Let's go, let's dive in. Um, it helps, it helps as a bomb, right? To just go back to the writing, just go back to the storytelling. That mm -hmm. is what you're built for, right? So go back and be a writer. And yeah, just one more thing I'll throw in. I think it's easy as writers to like romanticize like the it's getting made, it's, this is all happening, like, but the thing that we love is the writing. And you know, you have to ask yourself as a writer, am I doing this so that I can like potentially tell someone I won an Oscar? Am I doing this because I love sitting down and exploring characters? And- um, Yes, I'm, to both of those things. I was gonna say, yeah. or both. Yeah, yeah, or both, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I think, I'm sure both you guys, when you look at like developing Inside Out, for example, your favorite parts of that process were being in the room and breaking it and writing it, despite all the accolades and the amazing things, the best part is always the writings. And that's always something we have access to even through rejection. Yes, you always have access to your own storytelling and, and those characters that are inside of you. And if you let rejection stop you, those characters aren't gonna come. They're not gonna have any place to be and exist in the world. Mm. So just go, yes, go back to the writing. And if that voice, that rejection voice shows up in the writing, Listen, guys, it does not have a seat at the table. It cannot create. It doesn't know how to create. You know, um, it knows how to judge. Um, don't let it come. It, 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 you know, there's a difference between judgment and, con uh, cr and constructiveness, right? Mm. You, you, it, make sure the voice in your head, if it is arriving at your table, is constructive, um, i.e. look here, asking questions. Have I pushed enough? Could this be, you know, could I do this better? Those are constructive questions. They're supportive questions of your craft. You suck. This just sucks. Nobody's ever going to buy it. Why am I even doing this? That's judgment. They don't get a seat at the table. And if they show up, just tell them, not now. I need a half hour. You just go sit in the corner. Okay. They, they don't get to come. And that's an act of bravery right? Mm -hmm. Moving past that voice. It's really hard because of the story that you've told yourself that those things are true. And so it's really hard. And I don't know what the answer is. I keep get. I feel like I get knocked down. I fall into the pit and I climb my way back up with help and support. And sometimes I check out for a day, right? Um, but it is, uh, you have to keep crawling back out of that pit. Yeah. And mm -hmm. getting better, just get better, just keep going, get better, raise your craft. And I would love the idea that one day there's no pit to fall into and that I never fall into the pit, but I think that's just not going to happen. So I have to strengthen my pit navigating muscles, I think. <laughs> you know, Lorraine, you and I saw even at places like Pixar, where there are literally people who have won multiple Academy Awards and geniuses walking around. They truly are some of the genius people of our business. They have pits too. Everybody, everybody doubts everybody because that is creativity that's where it's coming from it's coming from the vulnerability it's that is artistry 
You yeah. can't have one without the other. It doesn't work. You can try, but I'm telling you, it ain't gonna work. It is the art, the pit is also the well. Yeah. Which so, is so fun. Yay. <laughs> that's why bravery artists, are, that's why it's yeah. artistry, right? It's yeah. artistry. Um, I watched a TED talk this week with uh, E. Pray Love author Elizabeth Gilbert. I don't know if you guys have read any of her stuff or listened to any of her speaking, but I love her thoughts on creativity. She wrote Big Magic, which is a book I'd recommend to like everyone. But oh, that's good. Yeah, this this TED talk is about the idea of genius, and um, like nowadays we tend to think of genius as this implicit thing, where like some people are geniuses and some people aren't. But in ancient times, they talked about how genius was this idea, this kind of elusive thing that would sometimes meet you and sometimes not meet you. So she says it much more eloquently than I am, and I definitely recommend the uh, TED Talk, but the idea is we need to show up every day, and sometimes genius will choose to show up with us, and sometimes it won't, um, but even if it's not doing its part of the job, we have to do our part of the job and show up. Yeah, just yeah. show up, guys. Yeah. It's about showing up. Um, do we Good. Should we do our questions? we have time to finish the question from last week? Yes. Yeah, we've got 10 minutes. You guys just froze for a second, but I think you asked if we have time for the questions. Yes, that's what, yes, that's what we asked. Great, we have 10 minutes. Great. So, um, do, do we remember the name of the gentleman who asked? We, we only answered his first half of his question. Um, I'm looking it up right now, like I said I would at the beginning of the show, but let's start. <laughs> okay, um, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it was Scott, but we're not sure, but we're gonna give credit where credit is due. Yeah. Um, the question um, was making the transition from being a content maker, like a producer or an executive to being a creator, a writer. Um, and last week we talked a lot about owning who you are as a writer, saying I'm a writer, telling people you're a writer, writing, doing the work of the writer. And then we talked about, we would um, continue answering that in terms of, it's another piece of the question that he asked was how do I get representation? In order Which to- Which we think is a big question. Yeah, that's okay. a big question we think people probably have. And um, we've got, uh, this, this has been asked several times um, at, our email address, thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com. I think I got that right. That's good, um, yes. Several people have written in to ask about how do I get a, ma a manager or an agent or what should I do? Um, and, you know, for to say, to get an agent is hard. I'm not going to whitewash it or tell you that, you know, it's easy. It's not easy because there's limited uh, agents and managers and they're all looking for um, top of the line craft and writing. And ultimately, what are they looking for? They're looking for something they can sell. Right. So they're looking for something they can sell and they're looking for a writer who they believe can produce for them, meaning produce more than one thing. Right. So and they're probably looking um, at you for what is your skill set and how would they frame you to a buyer? Right. Mm -hmm. um, this guy can write horror. He is going to scare the crap out of you. It's not the same scares you've seen before. Uh, Etc. Um, or I know that sometimes uh, what I know about myself is I, I can really write and what I get sold as is emotion, right? Like I can really write emotional characters that you care about. So you have to be able to do everything, right? The craft level is everything, but really how are they selling you? It's good to know yourself. It's why if you have wildly different scripts, it's very hard for them to know who you are. And I know that's completely annoying from a storytelling point of view, because you every writer should be able to write any genre, whatever they want. But at the beginning, and that can happen as you grow, but in the beginning, really what are, what are your samples that show this is the writer that they can sell and support. Um, and again, when I say sell, I don't mean that in some base way, like, oh, they're terrible. No, it's a it's a business and this is what their business is. And they love writers and they love movies. And this is their part of the process, which is they help get you out there. And they're the helping you get a meeting with somebody. The right. selling is, hey, here's Meg. She's great at emotion. She's written these projects. Would you meet with her either just as a general meeting, a get to know you or for a specific project? So the and then you got to go in and sell yourself. Yeah. <laughs> right. So get ready. Um, you know, they are hard to get to. Um, I, I one thing that I always suggest um, and, you know, do do whatever you need, you know, enter the contest. And um, it's always six degrees of separation in terms of, you know, you give your script to your sister's roommate from college who now works at ICM in the mailroom or whatever, yes, you should do all that stuff because it's literally about the web to get in and get read. And it's about that person handing your script 
to someone else, which means it has to really be a script that feels different and special and like there's a voice and that, uh, so, it, and it has all the basic craft level, like why would somebody be like, this is it, this is the one. And think of, remember, we read a lot in Hollywood. So we've read, you know, it's hard to hit that bar, but possible. Um, and it's really about the execution, right? And then, so that web is real. Um, you need to get into the web any way that you can. Um, one way to think about it though, I also wanna say is, Agents are hard to get to, but producers might be a little easier because producers are also out looking for material. So if you know that your script is within the bucket or the same category as these other movies, right? They're comps. What are the comps to yours? I don't mean plot. I mean like tone, genre, how they'd sell it. This is a horror movie. And then go look at the producers who've made movies like that that you love and you might see it's the same person has done a couple of them right that's the person i would send the letter to because they're out looking right they're a little bit more open mm -hmm. um you're gonna have to sign a piece of paper that says you won't sue them um but they them calling an agent is a much better idea than you calling them because that agent knows that producer they know they have taste they know what their taste is they trust them Right, like I got an agent, not because I had been a producer before, but because I knew somebody who loved my writing and she was a producer and she called somebody that she loved a manager and said, you have to read this. I think she's uh, got talent and I blah, blah, blah. So it works the same way, um, you know. So in terms of specifically for our questioner, because he's in the business and he does have that web set up, right? It's now about also having the product. He asked specifically, how many do you need? I think at least two full scripts, at least. Because I have to see you can do it again. You're not a one trick pony. So you've got two full scripts, which by the way, have gone through many, many drafts. And then you have ideas. You can pitch three ideas, right? One in detail and two maybe, you know, elevator pitches. And he could be like, okay, I like this guy, this guy, this girl, she has ideas. She's a writer versus a one-time you know, producer of material. Yeah, but uh, finding a manager or a rep, again, it's that putting yourself out there and in the right way. You can't, you can't just get a list of managers and blast everybody. It's a very small community. Everybody talks, everybody knows each other's producers or friends with agents or friends with entertainment lawyers. Like it's also be targeted. There are managers that rep big time showrunners. There are agents that focus on staff writers. So figure out who you're targeting um, because everybody reps different kinds of writers and different kinds. And of now with the internet, there's no reason you shouldn't know that. Go on IMDb, pay the 10 bucks for the IMDb Pro and really look at who's repping who about what. And they're doing, they like the kind of stuff you do, right? Yeah. Um, that is targeting. Um, we did have Katie Williams from Louisville ask us about managers and managers who want to, there's a term called hip pocketing, where they want to just represent maybe the project, right, versus you. Um, I, I, it's funny because I wanted to make sure my, my instincts on that was right. So I asked my manager this morning <laughs> and he was like, it happens. Um, Obviously, it's not ideal. Ideally, you want them to represent you. But Katie, it does happen. And what that manager is saying is he'll rep that project. He will send it out to people. Um, it's really your choice. There's no right or wrong answer there in terms of doing that or not. Um, the good side of it is if you get a bite, he's probably going to represent you. He's going to negotiate with you. He's, he earned his 10% because he got that in the door and got the read. So... Um, the downside could be it doesn't go, it doesn't, and now, but you know, what's the downside? Because then I'm just thinking it through with you, Katie. What's the downside of that is he might want to see the next one, right? Like he still got feedback. Somebody still said, I like her writing, but it's not the widget we're looking for. He's looking for feedback on you. And if he already thinks it might be a winner and that you might be the winner, I, I think if he, if it's a limited targeted um, submission, right? He's not blanketing the town, but he is literally can tell you, I'm going to these five people. And this is the reason, because this is what they're looking for. This is how you fit in there. You know, it's your time to test him too. It's your time to see who he is and how does he handle his business and how does he talk to people and how does he submit and is he able to get feedback, right? So it's not, again, where's the center? The center should be in you. 
you're testing him out, which by the way, is pretty good, right? Like you get to test him out. I thought hip pocketing was, they were just gonna like put you in the reserves. I didn't know that it was- uh, Hip pocketing, I guess maybe hip pocketing is slightly different. Um, you know, wanting a manager wanting to, rep, he's saying I'm gonna represent the project. Hip pocketing is more, I guess, um, I'm not officially telling my agency that I'm repping you. Right, I'm not. I'm not going into my uh, weekly meeting and saying, "Here's a new person I want to represent." Because then, by the way, they have to usually give a lot of agents your stuff. It's not usually that one agent who's deciding. They're it's waiting the, to see what else you can generate. Right. So the agency, like, know that if you send your script and that agent is actually interested, that agent probably is giving it to multiple agents in the agency because it the agency is representing you, and that agent has to get multiple people on board that this is the person that we're gonna put our time and invest in because they know, especially new writers, it could be years of time and investment before you hit big enough to pay back all the, that time. So, you know, if they are saying things like hip pocketing, they might be young agent, they might be somebody who needs to get you um, to see how, what kind of interest they can get in you to, for their own meetings. Um, hip pocketing can be slightly dangerous. So be very, very careful about it. Um, and really know that person as well as you can. And if you can get feedback on them from other people they represent, um, you know, I would. That's really important too when you're looking, you know, when you get to the stage where you're starting to meet with reps, when you're starting is to get, do your, do, sorry, do your due diligence as well. I do have a friend who's rep by them. Do, you know, who else do they rep? All that sort of research to make sure that you. Really and you know, yeah, it's the internet, man. Look on IMDb. Who else do they? Writers don't get emails from fans. You could probably find a way to be like, I'm sorry to bother you. Your agent is thinking of repping me. I'd like to hear about them. You know, you can get to people. So mm -hmm. uh, just uh, make sure again, it's your life, your want, your path. Is this the person for you? Right? Yeah. You can get so excited about being repped. That doesn't mean they're a good person. That doesn't mean they're the right person. Right. Um, and sometimes just take and see, you always fire them. But uh, <laughs> I know, you know, sometimes you just have to be oh, like, <laughs> well, you know, it's the truth. Uh, it's the truth. Uh, so uh, I hope that answers your question, guys. If not, G email us, say, yeah. this was the question I, <laughs> I asked, but you answered this one. Uh, we're happy to try again, um, but we're happy to answer questions on craft, the business, um, life, whatever it is, uh, let us know because uh, we, we're here for you. Um, so thanks for tuning in to the Screenwriting Life on Popcorn uh, Network, and please come back to, to the Popcorn Talk. Uh, can check us out because each week. It really helps us out. Yep, keep writing. Okay. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.